Serpents from the Garden of Eos Potion 2 The Atlantis of Hellas in the Middle Sea Section C The Cretan Atlantis of Hellas Subsection 3 Palaces Photo showing the Temple of Night Propyleum and the Horns of Night Knossos Palace Southwest Lower Level Photo of the Queen of Atlantis, the Living Goddess Persephone, Sacred Way Corridor, Knossos Palace, Southwest, showing the Queen leading the sacred procession with the Labries of Never Chair, Nature. Episode A. Gnosis. Segment 1. The Temple of Night. Photo of the Temple of Night Propyleum. The Stairway of Thirteen Steps. Gnosis Palace, Southwest. The Temple of Night Preview of C-3-A-1 The first temple in which humans worshipped was a tribal cave. The Minoans of Atlantis and the Egyptians of the Nile Valley and the old European tribal societies descended from them retained this religious venue of customary practice down into the classical period. The first such cavern one encounters when reading of early histories is often that of the sacred cave at Delphi with its sulfurous fumes that possessed the Pythoness, she that was once the high priestess of Dionysus. At first this meeting was such a primal and even primitive setting for ceremony and augur is felt with a sense of amazement at the foreign quality of it. There is a perception gained of touching something very remote from today's modern world. This is so. You find that the God's cult somehow also brought with it the innovation of theater and drama. That Dionysus was a spiritual power that produced intoxication with the fruits from his vine. The god of the drama illusion does not seem modern in any of his attributes. He is distinctly other from most of today's popular religions. His image is a mask adorning the top of a rough hone 
stone pillar. He is unlike almost any of the gods we know of, except for one antithetical and occasionally evil demon spirit of the supernatural. Where did this serpent god of the cereal weed and vineyard come from? The god Dionysus, the son of night, arrived in Hellas along with his mother and sister wife from the fertile fields of Lower Egypt, not far from Memphis. Of course, in Egypt, he was not known as Dionysus, and he had a different name used by the dwellers on the Nile since the origin of their religion in the earliest evenings of fire and stone. Along the banks of the great river, Dionysus was known as Lord Set, the Eye of the Moon, and the Serpent of the Harvest Fields. The Pharaoh of the Lower Nile lands was this serpent god of the night sky made carnate upon the earth. The queen was the sister wife of the night serpent who was known as Lady Isis. Together, the snake dynasts of Memphis and the Delta ruled co-equally the gnomes of the great northern kingdom underneath the stars of the night goddess of earth. The cult of the serpents had its beginning in a cavern of an oasis where a stoner snake priestess first discovered the art of planting seeds to grow wild edible weeds. After that, the power of the cavern's sacrificial tomahawk came to be bestowed eventually upon the most productive of the new farmers taught the magic of planting by the serpentess. The society of hunters who had wielded its power before now became the pharaoh's picked retainers and the Uranos cavern double-bladed triangular tomahawk passed forever into the hands of the serpentine weed gatherers. Great Nebuchadnezzar, Great Neter, the supreme unified creator god of nature, became a ceremonial sacrificial magic wand of the serpent priestess queen of the nocturnal lands. She wielded Neter in the annual harvest procession from the fields and granaries up to the heights of the sacred tribal cave of the night goddess Nu, she of the shining sea of stars. There the pharaoh and his attendant horned hunters of the twilight sun god were awaiting the dusk at the fire rock of Anu. The plan of the palace at Knossos forms a large rectangle with an open patio in the center of it. 
there are long walls on the west and east sides of the palace and the northern and southern sides of the rectangle are of lesser dimension. The enormous central patio is also rectangular and this makes for a distinct separation of the structure into large western and eastern sections on each side of it. Each of these large sections either side of the patio are themselves in turn divided into half in the middle by a grand staircase linking the patio level outside with the upper and lower floors of each side of the palace with the lower floor being half submerged beneath the level of the earth. The east and west sections of the palace were designed to have different functional areas. On the west side the southern half has the pharaoh's throne room and palace storage areas for large pithoi vase magazines containing olive oil and cereal grain. The northern half beyond the grand staircase has the queen's throne room and the ground floor rooms and halls used for religious cultic purposes. Photos of the queen's throne room what Arthur Evans called the oldest throne in Europe show its plush interior done primarily with orange and black paint and the amazing frescoes of the goddess Rhea's totem creature, the griffin. The queen's throne sits in front of the frescoed wall at the north and the room has a serpentarium basin on the opposite side from the throne that is divided from the throne's immediate area by three tall black columns perhaps representing the three goddesses of Gnosis. The Pharaoh's throne room is directly upon the opposite side of the grand staircase on the same level below the patio. Pharaoh's throne is in a much less plush room and forms a sort of guarded entry to the royal pillar crypts and the palace treasury. The pharaoh's southern half of the west side has mostly storage and artisan areas. The valuable west magazine stores of pithoi vessels are arranged in rows of narrow rooms the other side of the main hallway from the pharaoh's throne. The palace lapidary sculptor shops are accessible directly to the south side via linking corridors. The pharaoh is then the royal dynastic administrator of the palace wealth and the guardian of its crypts. The queen's throne is in the more plushly accoutred northern half of this west side with direct access to the cult halls in the north of the palace. The top floor of the west side 
is even more interesting for its plan. Surrounding the west side of the palace, inside the walls, ran a processional corridor or sacred way for religious festivals. At the interior of the sacred way corridor on the south side was the front of the propyleum or pylon gate that made a highly decorative architectural entrance to the temple of night upon the top floor. This propyleum was on the ground floor with a staircase of 13 steps at its innermost extent leading up to the top floor night temple. The area around this propyleum was hollowed out from the surrounding palace structures by atrium open-air terraces with pebbled cement walkways. The top of the stairs entered a shallow porched hall and then the temple of night between three columns in its interior spaces. A north-south lateral hallway was in the middle of both floors on the west side and on the top floor the other side of the hallway from the temple of night was a great spacious hall with two very large columns at its center. This was the main cultic hall for the supreme gods of Gnosis. The goddess of night was one of these Batilic column deities and the other was her mate who had been known in Memphis as Lord Atem, the horned twilight god of the sun. Upon Crete, the Minoans of the former lower kingdom, now in exile, had a different name for the god Atem that was taken from his new totem creature that was native to the island. Lord Atem had become Lord Zagreus, the pan of the Wild Hills Way, with his new goat feet and horns, though he was still the Lord of Nature, an emanation of Nebuchadnezzar and the Twilight Sun God. The Great Hall on the Upper West Side was then a cultic gathering area for special devotions made to the goddess of night and her paramour, the horned sun god of twilight and all nature. Another somewhat lesser hall adjoined the great hall of the supreme pair of gods. This lesser hall was an area for devotional gatherings made to the serpent gods of Gnosis and it also contained a pair of columns of somewhat lesser dimension to represent the gods of the cereal weed harvest fields. A millennium later at Athens and Eleusis these gods were known as Dionysus and Persephone. Upon Crete in the nights of the Imperium of Atlantis they may still have been known by their Egyptian names of the High and the Most Unholy Lord Set and his sister mate, the Lady Isis 
of the serial fields. The last pair of the six most high gods at Gnosis had their cultic hall upon the opposite eastern side of the palace. This was the large east hall found by Arthur Evans at the north of the east side domestic royal living areas. It was within this large devotional hall to the god Kronos and the goddess Rhea that Evans found the remains of a huge female sculpture with but the strands of long bronze hair links preserved among the ruins. That this over life-size model of a goddess was the Lady Rhea may be inferred by the position of the hall upon the palace east side, which is the direction of the dawn, the goddess Rhea having as one of her many attributes the planet Venus and the end of the dark of night. Her mate, the god Kronos, was similarly, though oppositely, the light-giving fire that burned through the dark hours of evening. It appears from the relics of Minoan Atlantis that the civilization was somewhat of a matriarchal society, much more so than the dynasties of the south of Egypt were. In Theban Egypt, the male gods were the main focus of cult, and the artistic productions of the southern mainland emphasized the male dominance of society. The lower Egyptians and Minoans seem to have been the opposite of the daylit south, not only in their worship of the night and the moon, but also in the structure of the society. Whereas the Thebans are definitely patriarchal, the Memphites seem much more matriarchal. This can be seen in the art and religion of Minoan Atlantis most clearly, where it is the goddess of night and her daughters that are the focus of artistic production. This is almost the opposite of Thebes, where it is the male gods that the art seems to depict most often. The architecture and art of Gnosis indicates a matriarchal structure within the Minoan society of Atlantis. A comparison of the royal throne rooms at Gnosis seems to agree with this hypothesis, whereas the queen's throne room is on the sacred north side of the palace, the pharaohs is on the south side, away from the unholy areas of cult power. The queen's throne room is plush and has elaborate decorations, including three columns representing the goddesses of Gnosis. The pharaoh's throne room seems more ordinary and has a situation before the royal crypts, though the treasury is also near. 
and it is most likely significant that the Pharaoh's throne is directly below the upper floor Temple of Night. The Pharaoh's situation near the palace stores of olive oil and the artisan shops makes it seem as if the Pharaoh was more of a guardian and administrator than the real power of a dynastic imperium ruled by a cult of night. That the royal dynasts ruled co-equally can most likely be surmised, though it seems that the mystic queen of the serpents was, in effect, the ultimate superior if disputes somehow occurred. Another indication that this was so can be seen in the architectural choice of putting spacious balconies near the Queen's throne for dressing the populace when they were gathered in the central patio or upon the sacred pathway fronting the Telesterion. The Pharaoh's throne room has no such luxurious capabilities since it is below the Temple of Night and the large central patio sanctuary also venerating goddesses is upon the front side of his throne room facing the huge inner patio. This inner patio sanctuary by the way has a fresco showing multitudes of women in an audience with goddesses either side of a temple. There are no males portrayed upon the sanctuary fresco. The Pharaoh's throne is upon the other side of the wall from this frescoed sanctuary. That the queen was the incarnate Lady Isis and the Pharaoh the incarnate Lord Set can be deduced from the practice of Theban Egypt where the Pharaoh was the incarnate Lord Horus. Further indication that this was so can be gathered from the placement of a serpentarium in the Queen's throne room and the royal crypts next to the Pharaoh's throne room since the god Set was the original Lord of the Dead before Osiris became so. Using their Greek names the Queen was Persephone the daughter of Nyx incarnate and the Pharaoh was Dionysus the son of Nyx incarnate. It was here on the palace east side that Arthur Evans found the royal living quarters on the ground floor level that was made to be half below that of the patio on the Kefala Hill crest. The main feature of the domestic area in the southeast quadrant lower level is what Evans called the Queen's Megaron, a living space with a central circular hearth and a wall 
adorned with the dolphin fresco. The painting done with a linear series of lotus blooms. Several bathrooms with complete modern facilities were within the royal quarters. One placed off the Megaron, and at least one of which had a large bronze bathtub. The plumbing of the palace was modern-like with a system of ceramic tubing beneath the ground that supplied fresh water and disposed of waste. A remarkable feature of the domestic quarter was what Evans named the Hall of the Double Axes. This was a hall of lesser dimensions than the large devotional ones of the other gods, and it was directly linked with the living spaces of the Megaron. This hall was divided into halves by extending wall abutments and contained pyramidal bases for insertion of the standing axes of Never Chair, the supreme unity of God. The outside limits of this hall were open without walls and had steps that led into a garden atrium with a water well. The placement of this garden atrium off of the hall of Never Chair and inside the main palace walls shows that the double axes were indeed ceremonial wands of the supreme god of nature and existence. The outside of the palace on the west side had another large patio through which the corridor of the procession progressed after passing the pharaoh's southwest quadrant. The sacred way corridor had its start at an entranceway at the south end of the inner patio. This is where Evans found the famous fresco of the priest pharaoh in the debris of the corridor entrance floor. Then, after passing the propyleum of the Temple of Night on the south side of the Pharaoh's administrative areas, the corridor went round the outer edge of the magazine storage rooms to an outside entrance into the west patio. Near where the corridor entered the outside patio was what Evans named the West Porch, which was an ancient Minoan garden house for the royals on the south side of the western external patio. This structure wasn't very big, though it did contain a shaded area for thrones within its roofed and open entrance room that composed most of the building. Some distance before reaching the outside entrance, upon the palace wall fronting the corridor, was a fresco showing the queen leading the sacred procession.
she is shown at Fresco Center surrounded by attendees of the festival. She wears the open-breasted dress that was the fashion of Minoan ladies, and in each of her hands she holds the power of Neber Chair, the double-bladed axe wands of the supreme god of nature. These Labri's axe wands represent the power of the goddess over life and death, and also the duality of existence within nature, especially that of the female and male in night and day. After passing the west porch, the sacred pathway, now made of limestone blocks surrounded by a wide border of green stone trim, made its way to the palace northwest exterior corner where there was a sunken theater with steps seating along its embankment sides. The estimate of Evans was that the theater seating capacity was not large, though it did contain space for approximately 500 spectators in the audience. Beneath the strata levels of the theater, Evans found a most curious circular walled pit that had been filled in with debris from the period before the theater's upper strata construction. Was this an outside serpentarium near the theater used by the priestesses of the serpents? Did the beginnings of drama involve a serpent choral dance made by these priestesses? The placement of a previous serpentarium beneath the theater seems to indicate that the drama did once include a performance by the priestesses of Lord Set and Lady Isis, and this was most likely a choral dance with the unholy serpents of the cult. That the performers were also masked, as was Lord Dionysus, is also very likely. After turning near the theater, the sacred pathway went by the north side of the palace, where it finally ended at the entrance pylons of a large rectangular building attached to the walls in the northeast quadrant. This building had a guarded entry with a vestibule built into the pylon gates, after which it opened into a single large room with ten columns in the center, arranged in pairs. There was no seating around the interior walls of this telesterion. Only the columns in the middle used to make it appear like an artificial cavern. Lord Kronos and Lady Rhea were the god and goddess of human love and sexuality, since before the discovery of serpentine 
seed planting. Knossos was named after Lord Kronos, and Lady Rhea was known on the Minoan island of Cyprus as the goddess Aphrodite, a goddess with temples of human sexuality. The nights of the mysteries at Knossos were very dark, mind-expanding, and unholy.